Hello, podcast friends. This is Roy. Welcome to a very special edition of Triple Threats and Beyond. I am here with a double, I guess it's like a triple interview because I'm here too, but a double interview with Ryan Clardy and Ashley Griffin. And I'm so excited to talk about their big surprise, which I'm going to let them announce on the air here for you guys. So hi, everybody. How are you? Good thing, you? I'm just dandy, thank you. So, I'm so excited to chat with you both, and I hear that you have this big announcement coming up that I don't want to spoil and would love to have you share. I feel like you're building this up, like, so much. I feel like, I feel like the only way we can live up to this is if we're like... This show is going to broadcast <laughs> and this one every Tony for the next five years. I mean, Lynn had to start somewhere, didn't he? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> true, true. No, it's a slightly smaller announcement. It's that um, a play of mine called Snow um, is having a developmental reading at Playwrights Horizons in April, which for me and the team is very, very, very exciting. I feel like in the giant world of people waiting for announcements on your podcast might not be as exciting <laughs> as it was built up for, but there you go. You're too funny. I feel like you. it's such a big announcement because it's a piece that you've written, and it's a mm-hmm. piece that, you know, sometimes we have kids and adults that listen to the show that write things, they don't really go anywhere. And so I think it's really awesome to know that it is possible and to know that you put it out there and you give your heart and soul to it and just maybe it can happen. So that's pretty well, cool. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very excited. So tell me a little bit about what, gosh, there's so many questions. Tell me a little bit about, <laughs> I'm so excited. So tell me first for you guys, what does this developmental reading mean for you? Well, first, I should probably set up that I'm I'm the writer and the creator of the show, um, and I've also been taking part as an actor. And Ryan um, plays the male lead in it, just so everybody knows who we are and how we're connected to this project. Um, I mean, for me, it's it's a huge thing. Um, I don't know for your listeners out there if you really know too much about the developmental process of new works, um, especially new dramas. Um, it's it's very difficult. It's very challenging, sort of to get anybody to even read your piece, let alone to get it put up. Um, and Playwrights Horizons is very special for me because I went to the Playwrights Horizons Theater School at NYU. Wow. Um, so to have a piece there, um, and it's, it's one of my favorite off-Broadway theaters and just the whole history of it. Um, I have great admiration for the company. So um, they've been looking at a few of my things for a while, and the opportunity to finally do something there is, is huge for me. So... It's very exciting. It means that people are going to get a chance to see it. Um, and it, it also just sort of gives some credibility to me into the piece that, you know, hopefully it means that there's some talent behind it that should be taken seriously, which is always a nice thing to have. So That's so awesome. Now, Ryan, tell me how you came about this piece. How did you, how did it all come about? <laughs> well, actually, it's, it's it was kind of like the, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Out of the blue moment for me. I was doing uh, the, the breakdown services, uh, but that's something called Actors Access, where you can look and see what the breakdowns are going out. And I saw the breakdown for this particular role, Shadow, and I was I was like, I must play this role. And um, I wrote actually <laughs> a little treatise, maybe maybe, maybe well, it was probably just a paragraph or so because we try to keep those things short, but. Um, I was like, I knew exactly what this role was. I knew exactly what I, how I wanted to play him. And then I got the audition, and I came in, 
and I did what I what what I thought it should be. And it was funny. The director at the time <clears throat> uh, gave me some very interesting uh, directorial comments, and I looked at him and I have no idea if I even if they liked it or anything. I left it. I was like, and there was someone sitting outside the room, and I was, and I just said. Well, you know, you give it a go. And then he just got <laughs> my with, with my day. And then later that night, um, I got a call from Ashley, actually, saying uh, we're offering you the role. And I, it was one of those out of the blue moments because I, I was, I'd already written it off. And, and uh, it's been a roller coaster ride since then and a good one. One of those ones that you enjoy riding. So it's been a lot of fun. That's so awesome. So now, from where the show is to when you first did it, how different is it or how many changes has it gone through um it sort of depends on how you define the first draft of this script um i'll try to make this relatively brief but maybe this is a good a good lesson for some of your listeners um in perseverance um the show actually um started out as a completely different piece um i realize we haven't given sort of the synopsis of what the show is but Oh, I guess I'll get there. Um, it originally started when I was commissioned to write a children's theater version of Snow White. And um, I adore fairy tales. Um, I love fairy tales very much. Um, I, But Snow White was never my favorite fairy tale, but it's always one that's really intrigued me and really bothered me in a lot of really interesting ways. So I kind of wanted to put my spin on it. And I wrote this piece that I thought was really cool, but it wasn't really a children's piece, but it definitely wasn't an adult piece, and I wasn't really sure what it was. And this is all to say that it led to um, probably the worst experience that I've ever had as a writer. Um, We had a reading of it that, um, I don't want to go into too much detail because I don't want to say anything terribly negative, but suffice it to say that it it was not the best environment. Um, It was not the best... um, particular group for this particular piece and I left this reading I've never experienced this before as a writer I left this reading like seriously questioning if I should ever write another word again as long as I live oh my um it was it was really bad and I've never felt that way before because I'm great at taking feedback I'm great at taking criticism you know and and translating that there was something about this reading that like left my artistic soul like shaken and I didn't know what to do and um, I ended up doing a lot of soul searching and realizing, uh, you know, I did I, I, I tweaked what I needed to in terms of like the children's draft version, but I realized that what I really wanted to write about was the importance and nature of storytelling, mm-hmm. and I just needed to figure out what I wanted to write, and I came up with an idea to do it, and I wrote this basically the script that you've seen um, in like a week and a half or something. Oh, wow. And then, like, put it in a drawer. It was almost more to just, like, get back on the horse and, like, prove to myself that, like, I could still be an artist. Right. Um, and then I stuck it in a drawer, and literally a year later, there was another director who, like, heard the synopsis and thought it was interesting. It was like, we should just do, like, a table read. And I'm like, yeah, why not? See what's there. I should just, like, burn it. Um, and we did a table read, and there were a lot of really, really good things there, and it very quickly led to it having a workshop production and from the truly original version, it's like it's a completely different play. Um, from the one that I rewrote, it's actually not terribly different. The structure is all basically there. Um, there are a couple scenes that got taken out and it got condensed and just tweaked, but it's actually pretty similar to that version that I wrote. Um, it would be right. That's so cool. So, 
Oh my gosh. So many things. I got to read the script and I absolutely love it. So if you ever need an understudy that's somewhat tolerable, I'm here for you. Um, well, I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna take this moment to brag about Ryan for a hot second. That, please do. <laughs> don't give me that look. No, that, that same no, that same audition. In all honesty, is the best audition I've ever seen an actor give in my entire life. Um, and it's it's led to us working on a lot of things together and um, just a shameless plug for Ryan. I mean, Ryan Ryan's the kind of actor that I want in the room, like with everything I do. And he did such a brilliant job as Shadow with everything I've done that he like. I've like given him like permanent right of first refusal and he's like, you know, the person that I'm, you know, the, the when good stuff has happened with the show. I'm like, great. That's awesome. Ryan Hardy's continuing or like, I'm not doing it. So <laughs> it's really good. If anybody out there is casting like www.ryanclardy.com. Like, oh my God. That's amazing. hilarious. And he's um, influenced the show hugely and been a huge part of it. And, um, yeah, I mean, this is this is it's a, it's a playwright's dream to have to have a wonderful actor who is such a part of the development process, and then you really fight to bring along, and then that happens. So that's part of the excitement, I think, of this um, continuing development process is is just getting to continue working with him and wonderful people. That's so I, awesome. I believe very strongly in uh, Ashley's voice, and in, uh, the, uh, particularly the script. Uh, the very first time I read it, I was just split. I just like. The last scene, I had like tears going down my eyes, and I was like, "I have to do this." So, <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> That's so awesome. So now let's get into the show for a second. Tell me if you had to give me a synopsis without giving things away. What would you tell me about the show? Okay, here's my elevator pitch that I've perfected at this point. So, um, Snow explores the power and nature of storytelling in a structure similar to. The Hours and Cloud Atlas, um, and explores three divergent narratives that all revolve around the story of Snow White. Um, one is the historically accurate story of the Grimm brothers who first transcribed the tale. One is about a Victorian theatrical family whose life starts to mirror the Snow White story. And one is about a modern-day girl living with her abusive mother. And the whole thing is about why we tell stories, the importance of telling stories, um, through the lens sort of looking at this one particular story that's known to all of us and how it changed and influenced um, people and culture um, throughout the decades. Well done. There you go. That's Thank brilliant. You. <laughs> Thank you. So now, Ryan, what is your thought on Snow White? Because I know, you know, we all have our different takes on the movies that are out there and the stories that are out there. And so what, because of the topic, what drew you to this part and to this show, knowing that it was a Snow White piece? Um, well, well, like like Ashley, I've always really loved fairy tales and all that. Um, I, I, I think I'm more drawn to the Hans Christian Andersen side of things than the Grimm of very cool. but and uh, I'm sure as with most of your listeners, I my first introduction to Snow White was Disney, obviously. Of course. Um, and I always loved the Evil Queen. I loved. I've always been drawn to the darker side of things. And um, this particular role, Shadow. I, should I? Uh, he um, plays. Well, well, okay, so, so it's a small cast, it's a cast of six people, and five of those six play um, similar archetypes in all of the different um, storylines. Okay. Ryan plays the only character who is the same character throughout. Um, he's, I don't know how much we should give away. He's an enigmatic figure 
um, who is, well, pretty much if anybody doesn't know, all of the old like, grim fairy tales were based in the old like, Norse mythology. Um, so he plays a sort of mythic figure that happens to be real and weaves his way through all of the different storylines of the same person. Yeah, and um, to draw in a little other reference, um, Ashton and I are both big fans of uh, you know, uh, Damon as yeah. well. Yeah. And um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Sandman comics, yeah. but the role in there of Morpheus uh, is a, just a very, well, Sandman himself is a very interesting character that I find some reflections and attributes in Shadow, mm-hmm. and um, it's just very, that, that has drawn me a lot into this world. Okay. Um, yeah. I don't know if that answers the question. No, it does. <laughs> I, it's... Oh, your thoughts on Snow White. Oh, Snow White. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, it, the, fact that, uh, the fact that this fairy tale um, is something that everyone knows that can still hold these huge references that I've been talking about and that you can go a lot of different ways with it. And the the take that Ashley put on it, which I'd never heard of before, like she said, weaving it through different time periods, and it was just so interesting. Um, And that's, I guess, what drew me to it. A familiar tale told in a very different way. Now, that's such a great point. What made you, Ashley, want to tell this tale with your spin on it? I mean, I know that there's so there's a few spins out there, but what? why did you decide that this was the tale that you needed to tell? Um, I feel almost like the story found me as opposed to my going out and looking for it in a way. Okay. Um, which I know is sort of a very like, magical-sounding thing to say. Um, but I think... I really, really wanted to talk about the importance of storytelling. And um, I'm about to nerd out here for a second, but Snow White is actually kind of the perfect lens to look at that through because, A, it's um, it's sort of, in people's consciousness, like the first fairy tale because it was the first Disney movie. So, like, everyone knows it. Everyone has an association to it. It's definitely in the consciousness of everyone. But that being said, it's actually a fairy tale that has gone through almost more changes um, than any other. Um, the truly, truly, truly original version, I mean, there were a lot. They, the Grimm Brothers, for those of you who don't know, I'm about to get a little history nut on you. Um, the Grimm Brothers didn't write these fairy tales. Um, Germany was being horribly assaulted during the Napoleonic Wars, and as a result, their culture was being destroyed. And the Grimm Brothers decided to go out and collect these tales that had been told orally throughout the country and um, to transcribe them and preserve them, to preserve their culture. And um, so obviously it existed in millions of forms that they edited down, but, and there are people, there are historical bases with Margareta von Baldeck and all these different people, but the truly original like first version that they got together was so dark that even they wouldn't publish it. And it involved, there was no print. It was um, Snow White's father that went out and found her and then married her at, like, seven years old and killed the biological mother. Oh. Um, I mean, it's dark. And in their editing of it, there are plot holes. So, like, in the, we're going to get rid of the um, incestuous relationship. We're going to give her a prince. This father disappears out of the story, and there's no explanation for where he goes, which is why when you see most adaptations, like, 
this some throwaway thing like and her father was so distraught he went off to the crusades and never came back like they just make something up um the fact there was originally not necessarily a magic mirror um the fact that it was originally a biological mother um the fact that technically snow white is the dumbest heroine i've ever seen (laughs) in a story you know in the original story there's the queen tries to kill her three times and she's in this cottage and knows that she's trying to and still, like, lets this old woman in. Whereas opposed to something like Sleeping Beauty, she's ignorant of the situation. And it only happens once. Um, and so it still exists in dark form in the Grimm Tales. But then in the Victorian era, when they fell out of fashion with adults, these stories, they relegated them to the nursery. And they literally rewrote them and stuck happy little morals on the end and tried to make them more palatable for children. And then um, Disney is actually the one who invented the idea of True Love's Kiss. Um, none of the grim heroines get woken up by True Love's Kiss in the original stories. Um, in Snow White, her coffin is dropped and this piece of apple comes out of her throat and she's awake again. So it's a very interesting one to look at in terms of um, the importance of storytelling and what happens when you start messing with stories and does that influence how we experience life and are prepared for life. Um, and so those two things sort of corresponded and telling it through the three time periods not only allowed me to chart the trajectory of different views on stories and how that affects people, um, but sort of allowed me to divide up my individual feelings on the characters and responses to things and, um, allowed sort of a refractive lens then to sort of, I think, hopefully get more out of the story as opposed to just looking at one point of view going through the whole thing. So... Being, being sort of a problem fairy tale with a lot of changes that have happened over a period has given you uh, opportunities. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Well, I'm good at like summing up something that takes me an hour to say. Like, <laughs> well, you've done such research and copious amounts of reading in order to make this work in a very different way, and I think that's really awesome to say. Thank you. So, although the sad thing is, in all honesty, I didn't really do any research. I already knew it, so I like double checked facts, but like I didn't actually go out and like read new books. Like, that's sad at all. But the, I feel <laughs> I like the fact that I feel like the fact that you already knew it, I kind of feel like that encompasses all of the brilliance that happens in your brain. <laughs> Well, definitely sums up a lot about me. I don't know if I put the brilliant moniker on it. Now, you also said that Snow White, the story of Snow White, makes you the most mad. Um, yeah. Yes. Yes. I'm intrigued, and I'm I'm ready for this sentence because I cannot wait. So how come? How come it makes you so mad? Um, it made me, it makes me really frustrated and it has since I was a child and I think, it's things I've mentioned, but it's, it's that there are plot holes that are not explained in ways that other fairy, like no other fairy tale has these plot holes. Um, it has a really dumb heroine that even when I was like five and younger, I just, I did not comprehend her actions in any way, shape or form. It kind of, for me, goes a little, goes like beyond innocence and just stupidity a little bit. Um, which which just bugged me because the thing that fascinated me about the story was the relationship between Queen and Snow White. Um, if you read the original story, um, Snow White is seven years old. It, well, if you really track the date, um, her mother dies in childbirth, 
And less than a year later, the father gets remarried, which means that the stepmother is the only mother that Snow White has ever known. And she doesn't get jealous of Snow White until she's seven. And for me, I'm like, does that mean that there were like seven great years of this being her mother? And then suddenly everything went south. And that fascinates me. And the other thing that fascinates me is it's the, um, it's the only like truly original fairy tale that deliberately, like something that I think is popular in a lot of fairy tales today, like Frozen and whatnot, is taking fairy tale tropes and subverting them. And to me, Snow White's the first one that ever did that in that in any other fairy tale, if an old woman comes up to you and like asks for help, they're a good fairy. You better help them. Otherwise, bad things are going to happen. And in Snow White, old woman shows up, asks for help. Snow White helps her. And as a result, she's killed. And I always thought that that was super interesting. So, so to me, there's a lot of plot holes that I wanted answers to. But also, I think um, more dramatic and psychological um, potential than in a lot of other fairy tales because there's a really strong relationship between the antagonist and protagonist that doesn't exist really in any other fairy tale. Like in Sleeping Beauty, the evil fairy doesn't know this child, never sees this child again, has no personal beef with this child, and just like enacts her person, then you're done. Um, There's something very, very deep and psychological about the relationship in Snow White. But... The plot holes and the stupidity really, really have frustrated me since a young age. So, so yeah. now, with that being said, can we expect to see those fixed or changed or explained when we see your show? I'm going to let Ryan answer that. He's nodding. Because, like, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, just having conversations with Ashley and uh, about what her problems with the original uh, original story was, part of the reason she wrote it, I think, is to answer those problems for herself. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's uh, a little girl um, in the uh, play that uh, she, she, she's the daughter of one of the Grimm, um, one of the Grimm brothers, and the fact that she actually gets to ask the question that Ashley wishes she yeah. has been able to ask when she was yeah. a girl, um, I think that that is very telling. You, you kind of get to hear that five-year-old Ashley being like, what? <laughs> what? what? <laughs> and, yeah. 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 So, yeah. So, so, so she tackles these problems head on. Especially, I think the most interesting one, in my opinion, is the way that she handles the addition of the mirror mm-hmm. and what, why that is a whole thing. Again, I don't know if I should give things away or not, but I think <laughs> that's one of the most interesting ones. That's so cool. So now, the history of Playwrights Horizons, because I know they've been an organization that has been around for a really long time. Yeah. What does it mean for you guys to be able to, and I know that you used to study there and all of that stuff, but just looking at the history and the shows that have come out of there and the people that have worked there and the developments that have happened there, what is that like for you guys to realize that, oh my gosh, it's happening, this is it? I mean, for me, it's a it's a huge thing because, I mean, they've been at the forefront of developing some of the greatest theater that's been created in the past 30 or 40 years. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, Andre, I mean, he, he worked more in musical theater, but, like, a huge hero of mine. And, um, I mean, certainly, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that, that this play or my work is necessarily, like, on that level, but to in some way be included on that list if for no other reason than to say that my show is being done in the same, you know, place, you know, is, it's huge and means a great deal. And, um, you know, it's hugely flattering. And, and 
sidely, the fact that I, I get to act there as well, um, it's just it's just amazing because I mean I mean I think when you say playwrights rise and it means something very specific and really wonderful and um, has a, a, an amazing reputation and right. yeah, what does it mean to you? Uh, well, I think the name Playwrights Horizon says it all, in my uh, opinion, that it's a place that really celebrates the playwright. And I think, um, given a new piece, and to a lot of people, a new voice, this is uh, Ashley's voice, this, this provides a huge opportunity for her to let people that have uh, that can open the door wider for her have an inside track into her, her mind and then what's going on. And I think that's right. an awesome opportunity. I mean, it seems very much like, just to make this comparison, performing at 54 Below, where you know, even before yeah. it was 54 Below and it was Studio 54, all of the talent and the shows and the star power that were in that room or that have done shows there, and then you're asked or you have your show and you do your performance there, and it's just the wall, you know, the ghosts of all the people that have passed, and it's just insane. So I totally understand that. I'm so excited for you guys. Thank you. So now, you guys are, like, best friends. <laughs> you finish each other's sentences. I was going to say sandwiches, but that's a quote. What is that? That's from Frozen. That's not right. You finish each other's sentences. And so what is it like to have that type of bond and work on a show that's so passionate to both of you. I know it's passionate as a writer, but yeah. passionate as a as an actor who really fell in love with it when they first read it. So what is that like to do? Yeah. Well, I think it's pretty awesome. Especially, yeah. especially given the fact that this is a very... I, I'm not sure about the right wording here, but it's a, a very emotionally taxing um, yeah. play. Mm-hmm. Uh, being able to know that somebody has your back yeah. and you don't even necessarily have to explain why you need help in a moment um, is very is, is, is very helpful. It means a lot, both on stage and off. Yeah. I don't know what you think of. Oh, no, huge, hugely. And, um, yeah, knowing, knowing somebody... Because I found that, that, you know, frequently you can, you can have, like... A, great friendship with somebody or you can have like a great working relationship and it's really rare to have both of those things with the same person. Right. And yeah, to, to know that there's somebody who, um, who both cares about me and has my back, but is also very, very intelligent and, um, you know, working toward the same goal. So, so that, so that both, I mean, one of the things I value about collaboration with Ryan is, is both the sort of emotional, you know, having each other's back with what you have to do and the trust that's there, but also the, the story finishing each other's sentences and, no, and, and Ryan has given me great advice on, you know, things that maybe aren't working or how, how to do something better or whatnot. It's having the shorthand. That's what I'm taking 10 years to say. It's having, it's having, it's having the shorthand both with the, um, the things that are going really stuffle and with the challenges and... I guess one of the other things that really means a lot about this piece of Playwrights Horizons is a lot of times as a piece continues to develop, um, you know, other people come on board and it sort of takes on a lot of its own and you sort of have to go with the beast as it's changing and to bring, be able to stay with the person or people that mean a lot and have been there since the beginning and you value so much and to continue that 
as the piece goes on is huge and you don't always get and means a great deal. Um, and yeah, so, so yeah, just to have somebody that you absolutely trust there, um, both on stage and off is, um, is really, really incredible and valuable. Well, and I guess one other thing is this business is full of very creative people and very, um, uh, uh, dynamic people, um, and you'll, you'll come together to do a project and it'll be awesome and you'll have a relationship, but then the project ends and then you, you talk to each other again, yeah. like a year or two, three, four years later. Um, and I mean, that's, that's, you can have some great relationships that way and it's, um, it's, it's part of the deal, but I think it's also very rare to find, uh, to find somebody that you love working with that you can also, when with show ends, you you keep working together. Yeah. Not necessarily even on the same project. You just and you're able to support each other. It's basically like finding somebody that believes in you and your talent enough to want to continue pushing for you afterwards. Um, after yeah. a show is done, Ashley's. Um, I I mean I've, I've always believed in myself, but. Ashley believes in me as well, so that makes me feel like, hey, maybe I'm not insane. Maybe I can do this. <laughs> and then um, I feel like I'm hopefully doing some of that same thing yeah, for her, yeah, yeah. being like, hey, Ashley, you're an amazing actress. You are, um, and uh, in some ways, even an amazing, much more amazing writer because I've never seen her do quite the things she can do. And I'm gonna take every opportunity I can to help get the world. Um, uh, ready and prepared for Ashley. So. That's so awesome. So now, are you, because my best friend and I had this conversation not too long ago, actually, because somebody was like, you guys are like best friends. And then we're like, no, we're kind of like brothers because we have those moments where we finish each other's sentences, we make each other laugh, <clears throat> but we are so similar that it's like, all right, friend, listen, you go over here, I'm going to go over here, we're going to be over there for like five minutes, and then we're good. Do you, are you more siblings or are you best friends that can, no matter what, never get any, under each other's skin? Well, I'm an only child, so I can't necessarily draw a, an equal parallel. Um, I don't. <laughs> uh, I mean, we we haven't. I don't know. I feel I feel we both really understand each other as as people and sort of all of our you know facets. We've never had a moment where we're like, I need to take a break from you. I mean, maybe you have. I don't know. Not not exactly, but you know, we don't we don't live in the same apartment, right? So so we're able to be like, and and we both have our own lives that we go and we do our own thing. So, but then we can come to each other to be like, hey, this thing happened, and this is you know, let's talk about it. So I think it's being able to like, uh, you know, live separate lives but support each other is. It's very important. That's so awesome. I love it. So now, if you could give advice to our listeners, because this is, truly, this is very huge for both of you, and I'm so excited for you. If you could give advice to our listeners about, you know, the waiting process and being able to give your work to somebody else to tamper with, which I think is a little terrifying, what would you say to some of those young artists that are just in this spot where they either don't know if they should write anymore, they don't know if they should audition anymore, or create, or look for that next job? What is your advice to them? Um, you like you have to, and it's and if if you feel called to do this, if this is like what you were put on this earth to do, 
you have to do it. And in some ways, I mean, it was awful, but in some ways I'm really glad that I went through that experience of just total, like, soul-dying-ness as an artist um, because now I've, like, really gone through it and have pushed through it and really, really understand what that's like. Um, but, you know, there's, gosh. I mean, that's the best thing about being an artist. It's really, really hard. It's really hard, and you're doing something incredibly challenging. You're, you're being called to be completely, completely vulnerable yeah. um, while still being technically skilled at it and in public. Um, so I would, what I would say is, I mean, the, the other thing is, I mean, I know Ryan because of Snell. If I had had that horrible experience and been like, I'm sorry, I'm just done. Like, I... I wouldn't know Ryan. I've like written pieces now because I knew Ryan. Like there's a whole, there's a whole pantheon of people that I know and wonderful things that have happened and art that I've created. Not to mention this just extraordinary friendship and collaboration that would not have existed if I hadn't pushed up to it. Um, kind of all of the best, biggest things that have ever happened to me wouldn't have happened if I hadn't pushed through that hardness. And I think that you need to go through something like that to create your best work because you know, the piece I created before was fine. It wasn't going to Playwrights Horizons. Like, this this is. And um, it wouldn't have happened without all of those struggles. So um, when you're in the middle of them, they're terrible. Um, but just keep pushing through because um, that's the way that, that's where good art comes from, I think. Uh, yeah. I, I, I basically sum it up in, like, two words for me. Uh, persistence and fire, um, meaning like the persistence aspect is you got to keep going, you got to keep pushing. Um, I, I'm, I'm reading a lot of different things and, and a lot of people that work creatively that um, they always say you got to work on your art every day, you got to work on what you, uh, you can't get through the really bad stuff, the, the, the really uh, uh, crappy stuff until you work on it. If, if you can't just like show up and all of a sudden you're ready for Broadway. Right. You have to, you have to keep pushing and keep, be persistent about it. And um, when I say fire, what I mean by that is you got to find what fuels you. You got to find what, what likes your passion and gets you um, really going. Um, and part of that is the persistent thing. You can't find that unless you try a lot of different things and unless you work on it. Um, and the other thing is it's, Finding your people, finding the people that light your fire and get you going and make you passionate about what you're doing. Absolutely. Because if you don't have passion, I don't see how you can create art, or at least good art. The other thing that I would say is I feel like when you're on the outside of it and you're sort of in your insular world trying to make stuff happen and then you hear about things happening for other artists, it's really easy to sort of feel like, oh my gosh, like, you know, this thing's happening for this person, or, you know, if you just write something good enough, then, like, somebody's going to pick it up and... You know, like, it seems so easy for other people, and, like, why isn't it happening? And I would just like to say, like, before this, like, playwrights rejected multiple things of mine. And on a daily basis, I get rejected from stuff. And for every one amazing thing that happens, I'm told no, like, five million times. Right. So it really, really is about fighting and being persistent. And don't think that just because, like, good things are happening for someone else, that it's, like, magically and easily happening for someone else. I mean, we've gone through hell and back with this show. It has not been easy. It's been very challenging and very difficult. 
Um, and it's going to continue to be that. I mean, I spend my days submitting to stuff like 99% of which I never even hear back from if I don't get rejected. So just know that when you're out there fighting, it's not like it's just easy for everybody else. It's just, you're not seeing that with everyone else. Um, and you, you just got to keep on going to get that one good thing out of the million bad things. Well, you guys are inspirations, and I'm so excited, and I feel like I could conquer the world today, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just try and get out of my house first. Um, <laughs> but I want to get all of your website informations and Twitter handles and Instagram handles and dates for the show and Playwrights website. Tell me, unload it. Tell me everything. Um, oh, gosh. I'm really bad at all my handles. My my website is Ashley Griffin Official, so A S H L E Y G R I F F I N Official dot com. Um, I gave you all these handles before, and I literally had to look them up while I was telling them to you. So um, I think Twitter is Ashley J. One of them is Ashley J. Griffin. I think that's Twitter, and I think Instagram is Ashley Griffin Official, and I think Facebook is just. Ashley Griffin as well. If you go to the website, which I got correctly, there are links to all of the other Oh, perfect. Too. Then we'll do the AshleyGriffinOfficial.com uh, Yeah. Uh, and for me, uh, just my name, RyanClardy.com C-L-A-R-D-Y dot com. Um, and hopefully I'll be overhauling it in the next uh, month or so. Because one of the things I like to play around with is I like puzzles. And so like I coded it from code so um, it, it, it's kind of basic, but so I want to go in and, like, you know, judge it up. But all the information is there. I love it. And now, when, and are, when is your show? Been, oh, okay. Well, first of all, in terms of the show, I should also throw out, it's being directed by the amazing Rachel Klein, who is just, like, oh, yeah. heralded in the New York Times. She's amazing. Um, and... It, the press release is going to be going out as soon as casting is finalized, and we're talking to some really freaking incredible actors. I'm really excited. Um, I don't know if it's going to be an open or closed reading yet. Um, a closed reading means for industry only. Open means that other people can come. But if you email um, assist at schwartzmcintyre.com, um, A-S-S-T at schwartzmcintyre.com, um, they are the ones who can do reservations if it's an open reading and also when the press release goes out and all that stuff um, the information will be there too awesome and uh, I mean depending on how this goes it could open up other opportunities and things like that but I know that uh, we're at least wanting to do a full production of it in the fall yeah it's going into theater 54 um, in Times Square in October oh awesome there will definitely be another opportunity um, Look at that. Check it out. I also would say, because it hasn't really come up, it is very influenced by Snow White, but it is a very, very dark show. This is not the show to bring your eight-year-old to. Um, it, 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 the original Grim Fairy Tales were very dark, and we do not shy away from anything that happens in those stories. So just be forewarned. It is not a light evening at the theater. It is more on par with like a McDonough play than it is with something you see at the New Victory. Yeah. So it's, it's an adult show that, that where you feel all the feels. Yeah, all the feels. So what you're saying is bring all of the eight-year-olds on a class field trip. <laughs> all That's... of the eight-year-olds. We have Gracie Beardsley plays our little girl in it. She's incredible. Yeah. 
she is also like the most mature little girl I've ever met. So <laughs> unless you're crazy, 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 like don't bring your children to see the show. But it does, it does deal with what it means to be human and the things, you know, and, and it really, it asks the question if the things that are, um, that we value in our, in our most famous stories, a love that will last forever, hope in a hopeless world are, are true or if they're all fantasies. Um, so I think it deals with some really, heavy but pertinent and um, moving, hopefully, um, themes and issues. Yeah, that's incredible. Many of them articulated by Mr. Clary. <laughs> I'm so excited, and I <laughs> will be posting that press release as soon as it comes out, be telling everybody about it, and if it's open, I will do my best to get there and to tell all of my friends and eight-year-olds to come see the show. <laughs> well, I'm super curious because you've read the play, like, what your thoughts are on it. I love it. It I'm so, you know, it's so different because it's one of those stories where you handed me the script and we didn't, I don't know that we talked about what the show was or what it was based off of or anything. (laughs) So I got the script. No, it's fine. I got the script and I read it and I was like, snow, this is cool. I'm reading it kind of in winter. And it had just recently snowed when I got it. (laughs) And I was like, this is kind of cool. And then I kept reading, and I was like, Snow, hmm, I wonder if it has anything to do with Snow White. So then I keep oh, reading. I, told you that. Oh, I, I, I knew nothing, which was great. I've never done that before. And so I'm reading, and I'm going, oh, 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 yes, okay, this, I was, I need to sit up for this. I was, like, laying in bed reading, and I was like, this is great, reading a script on my phone. And then all of a sudden, I just start sitting up, like, oh, God, this is a lot, and I love it. Um, it's so cool because it tackles everything that you had mentioned. And, you know, I never thought about hearing you talk about it. I never thought about the plot holes. I'm one of those kids that listened to fairy tales and was like, great, magic mirror. Great. Mom went away. Like, I never thought about where did she go? Did she like run this? I was never that kid. And I was also never that kid that wondered how, Hansel and Gretel did the breadcrumbs and no critter ate them. Like, you know what I mean? I was just not that kid. So it's so cool to read it and to realize that there were plot holes that Mm -hmm. I didn't even pay attention to. Mm. So I think it's, it's definitely an amazing story and an amazing take on a story that you think you know. I think that's the best way that I can tell people about it is that we know Snow White. We've we're familiar in some form with the fairy tales and how they ended. And we're of course familiar with Disney, but it's a story that you think, you know, but you haven't asked all the questions to yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm so yeah. excited that they were very much so answered. I don't know that I was ready for the answers that I got, <laughs> but they were answered. It's like yeah. watching an episode of Dr. Phil. And then right after is Oprah. Oh, no. Oh, God. But it was so good. It's it's definitely an amazing, amazing play. And I'm excited for you guys to get it out there. I'm excited for the fall, for you to have that opportunity at stage, stage 54? Theater 54. Theater 54, yeah. I'm just excited. It's an inspirational story that you had on this journey. And so I'm excited for you to get your culmination at uh, Playwrights Horizon and beyond. I'm very excited Thank for you guys. You. Thank you very much. So keep in touch. Let us know. And we will make it all work and support it and promote it and do all of the things. 
Amazing. Thank you so much. Well, I really you. appreciate that. Thank you guys. I'm so thankful that you got to wake up early and chat with me. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. And we will definitely be in touch. Thank you so much again, everybody. Perfect. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too.